Thanks for listening to The First Take, First Word's weekly podcast looking at the biggest news stories in pharma and biotech. On this episode, we discuss Sanofi's acquisition of Cadmon, the latest gene therapy safety concerns, and whether anti-tau therapies can provide a breakthrough in Alzheimer's disease. On Wednesday this week, Sanofi said that it will acquire the US company Cadmon for $1.9 billion. The deal is focused on Cadmon's one marketed product, the graft versus host disease treatment, Resuroc. Michael, were you particularly surprised by this announcement? No, no, it seems like, uh, you know, it made a lot of sense, sort of in a straightforward big pharma buying a a smaller company with a drug that they can put their marketing muscle behind. And uh, there's some obvious synergies there um, with some of the drugs that that Sanofi already sells, uh, thymoglobulin, which is an immunosuppressive, and then stem cell mobilizer, Mozadil. So it seems like a sort of a a fairly standard bolt-on acquisition that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and of course, Resiroc has only really just been approved by the FDA um, back in July. I think it was launched in August. Um, you know, if you speak to to experts in the the graft uh, versus host disease field, there's there's a fair amount of enthusiasm for this drug as well. So I think that that kind of lends itself to the idea that the deal is not particularly surprising from that perspective. Um, KOLs think that they're is a lot of scope for it to be used in the indication where it's already approved in the US, which I think is as a, as a third line um, treatment. Um, and obviously, uh, with the potential to move into earlier lines of treatment and be used in um, combination with other sort of immunosuppressant uh, agents. Um, the other interesting thing, of course, as well, is that it's been approved in the US, but but um, approval is it has not been secured in Europe yet so there's an opportunity as as you kind of alluded to for Sanofi to to maybe um, accelerate that process and build out the commercial potential of the drug in the ex uh, US markets I think just from a kind of a bigger kind of picture uh, perspective in terms of Sanofi um, the one sort of surprise is that um, this is a deal that's not focused on oncology, um, not really focused on the kind of, um, you know, autoimmune areas that Sanofi has been um, trying to build up its pipeline in, in in recent years. So in that respect, it's a kind of a different focus for Sanofi. But that said, we've seen, um, you know, the company's made, I think this is the fifth acquisition it's made in the past year. Uh, it's made nine acquisitions since the beginning of 2018, and that does include a couple that were made under the the prior leadership team. But really, since Paul Hudson, who's the current CEO, um, took over um, in the, the later stages of 2019, we've just seen um, Sanofi kind of continue to make these bolt-on acquisitions. Um, 
and in terms of you know in terms of the numbers um you know they're 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 making more aggressive moves than any of the other big pharma companies such as Merck and Co and Novartis Lilly Roche Amgen they're all kind of you know other uh players that have made a, a lot of acquisitions in the last year or so but are, are still sort of behind Sanofi in terms of the numbers um uh, one last point to make, I, you know, I think at the moment investors are kind of positive about this. Um, you know, the new CEO's come in. He's obviously kind of trying to build up uh, the pipeline. Um, acquisitions and in licensing has been a part of that. But, you know, on, on the flip side, interestingly enough, today, just a day after they announced that deal, um, one of the acquisitions which they made last year um a company called um, Principia um, focused on BTK inhibitors. One of those products, which is being developed um, for a skin condition, has actually failed uh, phase three study. Uh, and so it, it's cast the first kind of few um, doubts over whether that deal, that costs an offy $3.7 billion, um, you know, whether that's going to meet its potential. Um, that said, the main focus of that acquisition was was a separate BTK inhibitor, which is being developed for multiple sclerosis. Um, I guess the other thing to say, Michael, good news for investors because it's not been a, a stellar year for biopharma um, M and A in 2021. I, I think this, you know, this is a 1.9 billion dollar deal. I think it's the sixth largest deal for the year to date. So. That kind of um, illustrates that we, you know, we haven't seen um, a lot of M and A, and we certainly haven't seen any kind of really, really big deals this year. Biomarin Pharmaceutical announced on Monday that the FDA has placed a clinical hold on one of its rare disease gene therapies, which is currently being evaluated in a phase one two study. Michael, what's the drug being developed for and what is it that's alarmed the FDA in particular? Sure. So this is an AAV-based gene therapy and it's being developed for phenylketonuria uh, or PKU. And, uh, you know, what the, what the issue is, um, is that it, there was a long-term toxicology study that was being run in mice and six of seven animals uh, after a year had liver tumors. So obviously that is not good. And so that basically got the FDA, got the FDA's attention and, and they, they stopped the ongoing phase one, two study in, in humans. You know, there's, there's this, there's always been a, a theoretical sort of known risk of gene therapies inserting themselves into the, the genome of a patient in a way that you don't want, that it was unexpected, and basically causing problems, namely cancer. And that seems to be what the case was here with the mice. There, you know, obviously is uh, some grains of salt that need to be taken with this. So number one, it's in mice. And so that doesn't necessarily translate to humans. And number two, perhaps more importantly, it was at a much, much higher dose than what is being given to humans. So, you know, there's reasons to think that this uh, biomarin gene therapy may not, you know, be heading for the trash can just yet, but well, obviously it's it's a concern. And the, the timing is particularly interesting because, you know, it comes uh, just after the FDA had convened an, adver an advisory committee 
late last week uh, that was you know, basically held to discuss AAV-based gene therapies and their safety. And the reason for that was, you know, there's been a handful of sort of safety hiccups over the last year or two, and there's a just a huge number of new programs coming into development. So, you know, FDA uh, just got this uh, meeting together and uh, had experts talk about, you know, some of the issues facing the field and that sort of thing. And, and one of the risks, of course, that came up was oncogenesis, which is what Biomarin, um, you know, came up with. And then another one of the risks was hepatotax, hepatotax, hepatotoxicity. Easy for me to say. Um, and so, you know, interestingly enough, a, a day before the meeting started, Estellus had actually stopped dosing of an AAV gene therapy after a serious adverse event related to liver function tests. So, you know, just sort of interesting that there was these two companies that had these AAV-based gene therapy safety issues that come up right around the time of the, of the advisory committee meeting. Um, you know, the meaningfulness of it, who knows? It, it, you know, I think analysts were saying that some some people were a little nervous that FDA might, you know, use this as an occasion to sort of ramp up the regulations or slow down AAV gene development, gene therapy development in some way. It doesn't seem like that is really the case right now. It really sounds like this was just sort of a, a listening session for FDA to hear from experts on what's going on in AAV gene therapy development. And, you know, maybe some guidelines will, will come uh, down the pike, down the road. But at this point, it's, uh, you know, sort of business as usual. And, um, you know, I think the fact that these issues are being caught and caught early sort of shows that the, uh, the regulations and everything are working. So uh, I think business as usual for AAB drug development, but, uh, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. Alzheimer's disease and the development of novel therapies to tackle the condition has been a prominent feature of industry news flow this year, dominated by the controversial approval of Biogen's Aduhelm. Last month, shares in the Swiss company AC Immune soared in response to clinical data for an investigational anti-tau drug, despite these results being widely described as mixed. Michael, I know you spoke to a key opinion leader about these data recently. In your opinion, is the hype uh, that investors reacted to or appeared to react to in any way justified at this point? Oh, who knows? You know, with all the sorts of hype going on in the Alzheimer's uh, setting at the moment. And, uh, you know, I never would have thought that a drug would be approved on some of the data that's been approved on. We're talking about Aduhelm, which we'll probably circle back to at a point, certain point. Um, you know, the KOL basically told me that he thinks this quote-unquote success in phase two is, is basically a glimmer of hope and a clue that targeting tau can work for Alzheimer's disease. It's, it's no more than that. So, you know, semarinumab is the name of the anti-tau antibody in question here. It hit one co-primary endpoint in a phase two trial, the Laureate trial. And, um, but at the same time, it missed the other co-primary endpoint. So it hit on the cognitive endpoint of ADAS-COG and it missed on the functional co-primary endpoint. It also missed on some secondary endpoints. So, you know, seen in the whole context, 
you know, there's there's reasons to think, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit on this being like a huge breakthrough. And in fact, he said, this is not, I would not call it a breakthrough at this point, Be, especially not just because of this study, but, you know, it, the same semirinumab failed an earlier phase two trial late last year, the Toriel trial. And that was in prodromal patients, whereas this Laureate trial was in mild to moderate patients. So it's a little bit later stage people. Um, you know, he suggested that could be a suggestion that tau uh, works later. You know, the targeting tau is it works later in the disease pathology, which would make some sense in the way that they understand, you know, how the amyloid pathology sort of starts things off and then tau takes over later on. There's reason to think that maybe that that could be uh, a real finding. But at this point, you know, the fact that it hit one endpoint out of several in a trial and missed all of the endpoints in a different trial, you know, there's reasons to just sort of take things a little slow. Um, but it is nice that uh, anti-tau antibody has shown something because there's been a handful of others that have basically failed at every turn. And this one was, you know, especially after it missed the, the endpoints in a phase two trial late last year, sort of expectations were definitely a little lower um going into this but so it's it's good that it showed something and perhaps will be a boost of confidence for others working on you know agents that target tau the issue with tau is that it's a really really complicated protein you know it's got all sorts of secondary structures and post translational modifications and like when you touch when you hit the protein and how you hit the protein are just very very open ended questions at this point so there's a lot that we don't know and a lot to learn, but you know, it's, it's good that uh, a anti-tau antibody has shown something. So I guess we'll, we'll sort of leave it at that for now. And in terms of, you know, putting it in layman's terms, how would an anti-tau drug differ, you know, compared to something like Aduhelm, which has obviously been in every, you know, the focus of everyone's attention in the last couple of months. Right. And so there's, there's sort of the two twin let's say pathways of potential disease pathogenesis in Alzheimer's. There's the amyloid pathway where, you know, the amyloid um, aggregates form and perhaps they're causing damage to the brain. Similar on the tau side, there's these neurofibrillary tangles um, that also are basically a hallmark of the disease. Just like the ag amyloid aggregates, there's these essentially tau aggregates are another hallmark. And so this would basically be, it's similar, you know, they're, they're hitting these, these proteins that clump up and cause problems. Like in a general sense, that's what they're trying to do. And uh, on the amyloid side, we've seen from Aduhelm and some other, you know, recent study readouts that perhaps they really are doing something. It's funny that I use the word perhaps because Aduhelm is now approved. Um, but on the tau side, it's, it's a little bit further you know, still upstream. They still need a lot of work to be done. Um, but that's sort of the the gist of it. Okay. And on the subject of Aduhelm, um, you know, the other interesting sort of angle has been, you know, how the product has been used in the US since it's been approved. Obviously, as we've mentioned, that approval kind of, you know, mired in controversy. Biogen's actually been speaking I believe earlier today at a US investor conference where management is 
suggesting that the the launch is progressing much slower than it ex than it expected and you know to be fair to biogen they've been saying since the approval that they expect the launch to be slow um i think i read uh there's sort of 50 centers in the us that have maybe started um infusing the product or are you know set up to do so so you know we've spoken about this in the past we've obviously we've surveyed physicians i think that that initial work that we did you, you know you spoke to a few key opinion leaders it kind of felt that um the whole situation that that kind of surrounded the approval of this product was that physicians who would potentially prescribe it were aware were aware very quickly about the controversy um, probably aware of the controversy beforehand in lots of cases, but also I think were made quickly aware that they were going to be, um, they were going to come under a lot of pressure from patients and, and patients' families to prescribe this. And it seems just based on these comments, and, and as I said, based on prior research that we've done and others have done, that there is definitely, um, there is definitely pushback occurring against use of the product, um, which I, I guess, you know, we, we've, We've got to kind of perceive to be as a good thing at this point, don't we? That there's at least a conservative approach, just because you know the the data are not entirely convincing. I, I guess Biogen would argue, you know, and have argued actually that they feel that you know maybe um, you know the media coverage has has perhaps gone a little bit too far um, to sort of suggest that it doesn't work at all. But what, what's your kind of take on that side of things, Michael? Yeah, you know, the media always takes things too far. That's just like the human nature of in the media. Um, but, you know, the fact is that like the, the data set and the evidence that was available to that it, that it was approved on. I mean, just if you take a look at it and you think take it take it out of the context of Alzheimer's being a huge problem and and all this um, pressure that the agency was under, I mean, like there's no way this drug would be approved if it was for some other just random disease. So, you know, I think that it, some of the scrutiny is probably well warranted. Um, they priced it really high as well, which, you know, you're, you're sort of bringing some more media, media scrutiny onto yourself by doing that. But yeah, probably sometimes people take it too far and say, oh, this is just like a placebo, you know, it's not doing anything and the FDA is corrupt and all this, you know, it's that's just how the media works, especially in the world of blogospheres and Twitter spheres and whatever else is going on. It just, it gets taken too far. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's some big, big question marks about this drug. And it's good to hear that, honestly, that uh, doctors are finding ways to, you know, to slow the... The distribution or adoption of this um because if it was just sort of willy-nilly that that would probably be um that would be kind of scary i'd say i guess one point to, to sort of finish on is obviously you know there's been some talk about aduhelm and, and the launch by biogen kind of opening the doors up obviously everyone's talking a lot more about alzheimer's disease perhaps focus on other pipeline drugs is going to be greater than it would have been because of the controversy which has surrounded this approval and launch um i know that you know lily is 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 looking to sort of submit um its 
uh, product, its antibody product for approval with the FDA. I think Roche will wait for um, phase three data, which will come out next year. So there's going to be a couple of, you know, potential competitors to Adahelm um, that could reach the market in the next sort of 12 to 18 months. That's going to be obviously interesting, depending on on, on the data that, that they can present. Michael, just to end on, you know, when should we expect more data for this AC immune product? Is there anything else that's kind of already being run in terms of clinical studies or is it a case of the company and i think they're working with roche on this product as well is it a case of now having to design a follow-up study based on the data that they've they've um, top-lined in the last couple of weeks there will absolutely need to be a, a follow-up study um in the you know probably a, a larger phase three type study but in the meantime you know when they actually present these data it'll be really interesting to see you know how some of the baseline characteristics uh the kol told me that like biomarker data will be really interesting to see because target engagement with tau is a big question mark so there's a lot of questions that uh ac immune and roche will be able to answer in the next few months probably but a longer term study you know that's gonna probably get underway next year and that will take a while so you know we won't get definitive answers for some time still but you know we should get some some answers in the in the interim and there's you know there's a lot more uh tau targeting therapies in development so the the data events will come i don't want to say fast and furious but there there will be plenty of those readouts coming in the next couple of years